Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. The guy that's going to be speaking today is a young man that I met. Was it about, it was over six years ago. It was over six years ago. I just recently started pastoring. I think I was pastoring part-time here, and I spoke at a, a service at a church across town on a Friday night. And the whole time I was speaking, there was this one young man in the, in the, in the crowd that every time I, I saw him, I was drawn to him. And it, he was just like, he was locked in, you know? Like, when you're speaking, you love those people. You love the people that you can tell. They're just drawing it out of you. Like, literally, Jesus said that if you're hungry, you'll be fed. Meaning that if you come here expecting and you come here hungry, he's forced to feed you through whoever stands up here. And honestly, the responsibility is probably more on us to come expecting than it is on the person that is coming to deliver because all they have to do is be obedient. But Jesus made a promise and said, if you're hungry, that you will be fed. That if you hunger and thirst, that it will come. And so if we come here expecting, then we will receive because God will always make good on his word, no matter who it is that happens to be standing here. That's why you can confidently stand before people and proclaim the word of God and know that it's not your brilliant words, but it's actually the hunger in their heart that matters. And so, but this, this kid was just like, every time I saw him, I was like, he was locked in. And then after the service, I think he came up to me and introduced himself and and uh, he went to a different church at that time. In fact, he's gone to different churches more of the time that I've known him than, than not. And, but we've always kept in contact and always felt like there was something there, a, a, a bond that we had. And, and so um, as years have gone by, I've spent more and more time with him. And, and I see a lot of myself in him, which really excites me, um, of the good things of me in him. Me now. <laughs> me born again. I see a lot of that stuff in him, and so I've, I've just tried to encourage him into what I feel like God has for him, and, and I think he was supposed to speak originally like in February, and you know how it is with God, like you make your plan, and then you listen to God, and sometimes things don't go exactly like you thought and like you had planned, and so this is like six months in the making, um, but today's the day that he gets to share with you guys, and I'm really excited to hear what he has, um, so would you guys join me, welcome Dylan as he comes up and shares. Yeah, I met Roya. About six years ago, I think Jackson was like, he slept on the couch, or some, or Leah did, one of them, they would, we would go, I mean, we, we, this church, man, we met in a hole in the wall, it was so, it was so beautiful and special, and, uh, and I met Patty and Roy, and, and we built a relationship, and I, I just want to say before I get started, you know, in, um, in First Corinthians, we, we, we love to talk about the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And, and those are so important, right? But in Ephesians, we read that Paul talks about that there's gifts of Christ. And those are actual people. They're apostles, there's pastors, there's teachers, there's evangelists. And um, I meant like apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets. Forgot the second one, and um, and I was just thinking about that verse, and I was like, you know, it's interesting that the gifts of Christ are actual people. Like they're not they're not these these like um these gifts that we have that we can use throughout our life, but they're actual people, and you honor them and you respect them, and the Lord actually places these people in your life so that you can. And I think sometimes in famili- familiarity we. We can forget to honor the people that are around us and the people God puts in our life above us. And I, I just felt in worship today that, you know, if we had a guest speaker come in, which we do, like we have these guys come in and, you know, or if Obama, the president, walked in this place, man, we would, we'd roll out the red carpet and we would, we'd, it'd be amazing, right? We'd give him everything. We'd probably have fruit back there and, Whatever, you know what I mean. But I just, I just want to not because of anything weird, but I just want to honor Roy and Patty. And I just want to take a moment as a body to just, just let's just give a hand for Roy and Patty. (laughs) 
And um, I have, I've spent a lot of time with Roy. I've spent a lot of time with Patty, too. My favorite time, they don't know this, but I love to be in their home. We used to meet a lot at Panera Bread, and that's cool, you know, but you never leave there full. It's, uh, their, their meals are always too small. And, but when we go to Patty, she always cooks good, you know. And, um, and it, what they don't know is I, I watch them. And when I met Roy, the Lord spoke very clearly to my heart, and he said, this man is going to teach you how to be a father and a husband. Um, and they've helped me through life. And um, I see a man that I want to be like. And I see a woman that I want to have a wife like. And I see how they interact with their kids. I see how they interact with each other. So if you don't know them, get to know them and honor them. And they can't know everyone in here. But the Lord's put them over you for a reason. If you've been called here by God, there's a reason why you're under them. And so just bless them and pray for them. and Bless their home. and Bless this church because there's amazing things um, that's happening here. So, okay. I'm going to try to make through this without crying 15 times, but I probably won't. Uh, I'm a pretty emotional person. Just as it is. And so, um, and, and just what I have to share is really close to my heart. So I'm just going to give you an outline real quick and then we'll, we'll go from there. So I'm going to just tell you a little bit of my story just real quick. Because I think for you to understand what I'm, what I'm teaching on, you have to understand where I'm coming from. And so it's going to be just real quick. I'm just going to highlight some things that the Lord asked me to. And then from there, we'll go into some scripture and just um, just what I felt like the Lord's put in my heart. So I was born here in Greenville. I was raised. Um, I kind of, to be honest, if you notice, I, I meet a lot of people that are in the body of Christ that live here in Greenville. And a lot of people have moved here from all over, right? And it's really beautiful. There's a reason why they've been called here. But they weren't born here. So part of me is kind of like, yeah, like this is kind of my city. You know, like this is where, you know, God put me here for a reason. I could have been born where you were, but I was born here. Um, So I'm really excited about what God's doing. I'm going to move this. Um, I'm really excited about what God's doing in this city. Um, All over in churches, all over. It's not just here and it's not just there. It's literally, I just hear people in these groups of people that gather together and they love the Lord. and um, He's doing a lot. And if you don't see that, just talk to anybody who's following Jesus. And uh, I guarantee you, you'll be encouraged. So, I was born here. I was raised here. Um, I went to Wade Hampton High School down the street. I graduated class of 2011. Um, I grew up in church just a little bit. Um, my mom uh, was a single mom with me and my sister, and we went to this really tiny Methodist church, really small. And um, we went there for a little bit, and I remember like learning the Lord's Prayer and stuff like that. Um, and there was one day where we were sitting in the pews, and I remember this very clearly, and I leaned over to my mom and I said, Mom, I want to be a preacher one day. And I never, I never thought about it again. And um, I look back on that, and I really believe that's the first time I prophesied. <laughs> I think the Lord, was, He speaks from the mouth of babies, right? So I go on through, through, through school, and about middle school, um, I go to a big Methodist church by myself to play basketball. And if you play basketball there, you've got to go to so many services, right? So if you're not a member, so you got to go to youth and you got to go to, um, you got to go to big church. So I did, my buddies went there, we had fun, you know, we were 13 year old kids and we just liked to play games and you, they had this, this church is huge, man, it's got two basketball gyms, weight room, 
pool tables. I mean, you could just, we just hung out at the church. And um, in my eighth grade year, we got a, a youth pastor, and a guy named Thomas Buchanan. And he was, he's my age now. He's, he was 23 at the time. And um, he was a Clemson student. He was really cool. He wakeboarded, you know, and we were all like, man, that's awesome. You know, 14 year old kids. I want to go on a lake. Like the Lord gave him and his roommates this boat, and so they missed a whole bunch of class because they were just out on the lake all the time, wakeboarding and stuff. And um, and I was just living life, you know. And and then we went to the beach, and I went on my first to my first little. Um, it actually wasn't little, but it was like a conference thing, and we went with the youth. And I don't know why this happened, but. Me and all my buddies, so it was about five 14-year-olds, were all in this hotel room together. And I mean, there's just Cheetos in the bed, and I mean, who knows? It's just a mess, right? And, um, and, um, but we go in this, it's like this passion conference. So it's our student life, and so it's uh, this guy, Louis Giglio, speaking, and he's talking about these stars and galaxies, and I'm like, this is pretty cool, and you know, and then he gives this altar call one night. He says, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I don't know what he's talking about. He says, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you come up here. And I don't know what it was, but something literally gra- like grabbed me. And, and I know what it was, it was the Lord, but pulled me to the front of this big, I mean big auditorium, huge I got down on my hands and my knees, and, you know, he did the whole, you know, pray this prayer with me. So, he, I don't even know, I don't know what we prayed. But I get down on my hands and knees, and I'm just a wreck. Like, I am just crying, snot, it don't matter, you know. And, and I'll never forget, uh, till the day I die and on into eternity, the feeling that I felt. It wasn't a goosebump. I literally felt in the natural, I felt myself, the Spirit of God come into me. I, can't, I felt Him come over my back and inside of my body. And, um, and I felt myself go from death to life. Like it was a tangible, natural thing. Um. And afterwards, that, that youth pastor, Thomas, came up to me and was like, hey man, like, what made you go up there? I said, I got no idea. I said, but that was the greatest thing I've ever, ever experienced in my life. To the point where I told my buddies, I said, guys, I don't know what just happened. I said, but if he tells you to go up front, you freaking go up front. I was like, I don't know what that was, but it was the greatest feeling I've ever felt. And, um, and he says, that's the Holy Spirit. And, and so I remember laying in my bed that night and all my buddies are going crazy. And I remember the NBA finals, it was the first year LeBron was, took the Cavs to the playoffs and they got swept by the Spurs. And I wasn't even watching the game. I was laying in bed and I was staring at the ceiling and I remember just saying in my mind, my life has changed forever. My life has changed forever. As a 14 year old kid, man, you don't, I didn't even have a grid. I just knew. I knew in my heart that something changed. And so I went home, and I don't know why I did this, but I went home, got home from the beach, got on the computer, I deleted every song I ever had. Every music. And the weird thing is, is I've heard a lot of people do that. Like a lot of people in the Jesus movement, they like break their records. And they're like, well, I didn't have records, so I just... I just deleted all my music. And I downloaded every Christian song I could find. And I was like, I want this one, and I want this one. And some of them were really bad, but I made myself listen to them. <laughs> I, didn't, I was new, right? I didn't know what was good. I, I didn't know what was going on. Um, so life goes on. And, and then when I really, really started following the Lord was the first time I heard Him speak. Um, and this same youth pastor, Thomas, who is a young, this young guy, uh, he was still with us, and another guy, Joel Reed, came along. 
and um, and they were our two youth pastors. They were both Clemson students, and they were um, they were spirit filled. So they believed in the gifts. They believed in signs, wonders, prophecy, right? And um, but it was so unique that the Lord called them to be at this Methodist church, and they they touched a lot of people, but they changed my life. And so one night they're teaching us about um, I don't even know what, and all my buddies and me were too concerned with throwing darts in the ceiling. We're not listening, and so they kind of get fed up. And they're like, look, dude, I, Joel's like, I got a wife at home. I don't need to waste my time if you're not going to listen to me. So I'm leaving. So he leaves. And Thomas prays his prayer. He prays his prayer and he says, um, he asks forgiveness to God for us. He says, I'm sorry, Lord, that they're not honoring what you're trying to speak to them. And he gets up and he leaves. And I'm like, Oh man. Remember the Lord is inside of me now. And I'm like, my other buddy's like, dude, let's go play basketball. And I'm like, I can't go play basketball. He just asked God forgiveness for me being rude to God. And I'm like, I can't just go play basketball. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, I gotta go find him. So I run around the church, this huge church, right? Run around the church trying to find him. And I go to his office and I I hear him in there praying, and so I go in there, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, I, I, I don't want to be rude to God. Like, I don't want to be rude to you. But it was genuine, you know? Like, it was real. And I heard a verse in my heart. Uh, I don't remember what it was. I'm sorry. It's pretty anticlimactic. But, <laughs> but I heard a verse, and I said, do you have a Bible, like, yeah, he's a youth pastor, of course. He's got 15 of them. I'm like, do you got a Bible? He's like, yeah. So I open it up, and I read the verse, and I read a couple verses around it. And Thomas stands up on the couch. He's like, you just heard God. He's like, don't you see how that pertains exactly, exactly to what happened? And I'm like, yeah. You know, I, he's like, you, he kept saying, you just heard God. And I'm like, I just heard God. He's like, you just heard God. I was like, I heard God. You know? I remember my mom picked me up, and I was like, Mom. Like, I just heard God. My mom, bless her. She's she's walked through a lot of stuff with me. It's interesting. It's cool to see because as I started my relationship with the Lord, my mom knew Jesus, but she didn't understand all the things that, that I was going after and, and walking in. <laughs> it was one day a couple of years ago where I was taking her to the airport at 5 o'clock in the morning. And my mind's just always on the Lord. And I, I was driving. And I said, Mom, I'm going to see the dead raised one day. And she looks at me and she says, Dylan, it's 5 o'clock in the morning. And she's like, Dylan, that's a little, it's a little heavy. And I was like, I know. I said, but mom, I'm going to see Jesus do it. I dropped her off at the airport. I don't know. She probably, she probably was thinking I was crazy. But anyways, so I go through high school, right? And, um, and so I, I, I have this new thing. I can hear God, right? I took my SAT. I would take my SAT, and if the time was about to run out, you know, you got to fill them in because you don't get points for missing. I put ABBA, 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 <laughs> ABBA, no kidding. Every time, ABBA. It's like, you got, you got five minutes left. God, ABBA, ABBA. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, so I'd go through high school, um, I, I went through high school, and I was spending time with, I was just, this hunger for the Lord was so real. It was just, just real. And I would go up to the church. I'd spent, one summer I spent every day at the church with those two guys. Every day. And some days, it'd be real spiritual. And some days, we just play video games. But 
I was just I just wanted to be around people who knew knew what I wanted. And um and then I, I, I would read the Bible and I'd read verses like you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So this time I'm I'm standing up on the couch and I'm like, Thomas and Joel, I was like, there's freaking people all out there in the city. Let's go. And it's like eight o'clock at night. Like, we can't go right now. And like, we'll go tomorrow. So we would go. We'd go downtown, man, and I I didn't know anything. I just find somebody if they look like they're limping. Let's pray for them. And so this this continues on. This continues on. Um, Joel starts a ministry. This actually where I met Roy. I go to college for a little bit, and at my my relationship with the Lord is just growing and growing. I never had like a wayward time. Um, I just I just knew it was real. And I, I wanted him. And I wanted to be with him. And I wanted to know him. And I wanted, like that song said, there was this burning inside of me. I remember Joel one day said, Dylan, one of the best prayers you can pray is to see people the way God sees people. And so I prayed that prayer probably a million times. I'd wake up in the morning, God, just let me see people the way you see people. And that song, for the sake of the world. We owe it to the world for them to have an encounter with Jesus. We owe it. And so, um, through this relationship with these guys, um, I get connected at City Church down the road. And um, I'm, just, I'm just running, man. I'm just continuing. I'm just running, running, running. Uh, I'm no longer at school at this point. Um, Building relationships there. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like, all these people love God. Like, I'm not doing this by myself. Like, all these people want God like I want God. And uh, I build an amazing relationship with with the pastor over there. And and he still means the world to me today. And... um, and then I go to Africa for a little bit, and I spend some time over there, and um, and I, I just grow a lot. I spend some time with some some real people I really look up to, um, and so so I come back, and then that's going to take us to about where I'm ready to start. Um. And that's when the Lord called me away from the church I was at. Um, and He called me here. And I had multiple dreams about it. I had multiple... I mean, it's just God. You know, how He does. And with me, if, if I'm being hard, He just doesn't stop. And, um, and so, it wasn't that I was being hard, but it, it was a hard decision because that was all my friends were there. Everyone I knew, everyone that I spent time with, that I had life with, that encouraged me in this walk that I've been walking for so long. And the Lord says, you need to go submit yourself to Roy. And you need to go uh, submit yourself to Outreach. And that was, that was almost three years ago, I think. Coming up on... Um, and so I said yes, and, and I did that. And, um, and the Lord, the, the, <laughs> the pastor there on my last day, at, I was actually at a staff meeting. He prophesied over me, and, and he's, he's real, like, passionate. And he goes, whoa, whoa, bro. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And he says, I can't remember the exact words, but he was like, it's, it's about to get real. He's like, it's about to get real for you. And, he, and, um, and actually, a lot of people that day had, had this word for me about testing and growing and boot camp and, and all this stuff. And in the moment, you're just like, that's cool. Like, you know, I'm sure it'll be a week and I'll get through it and we'll, we'll be good to go, right? So I leave, 
And, and just when things change, relationships change. Um, and at this moment in my life, I was, I was chasing my dreams. I had, um, I was probably traveling every two months with this pastor at this church. Um, we were on airplanes or in cars and I was heading to what God called me to when I was 16. I forgot to say this, but when I was 16 is when God um, called me to minister His gospel. And I still have no idea how that's going to happen other than I'm just going to do what He tells me to do. But at this moment in time, right, I'm headed towards it. I'm on airplanes, right? We're seeing blind eyes open and people healed and born again and set free and Right? It's awesome. And the Lord's like, hit the brakes. And I'm like, okay. So at the moment, you know, you're like, cool. It's cool. Like, we'll just do this and then everything will be all right. Um, and then the other biggest dream in my heart is, is to be married and have a family, Right? And, and the Lord told me that Roy's going to teach me how to do those things. And so I'm like, that's cool. But at the moment, there's no woman. So that's kind of an issue, right? And, and there was, you know, an amazing godly woman, but that time had ended. And I'm like, all right, God, well, you've said all these things, but right now I'm looking around and, you know, here (laughs) yeah so time goes on time goes on right and I'm just kind of I'm just walking through life and then in July of 2015 the Lord spoke to me and he said Dylan and if the Lord ever says your name before he talks to you just put your seatbelt on Because most of the time, you know, he'll say something like this. He said, you've gone as far as you can go inside of my heart without a cost. And I'll be honest, I didn't like that word. I, uh, one thing I realized though is if it came from any person, I would have wrote it off. Because he spoke it directly to me. And he said, you've gone as far as you can go without a cough. And I saw, I saw a picture of myself and I was walking inside of the heart of God. And I walked up to a door and it's this beautiful, elaborate door. It's like wooden and it looks like it's hand carved. It's this beautiful door. And I couldn't get in it. And I didn't like that. I, I, didn't, I didn't like that. Because in your heart, you're like, I've, get, I've given you everything. Right? Like, you have everything. There's nothing in me that's, like, not yours. Right? I'm chasing you. I'm not living in some worldly sin. or You know what I mean? Um, so the Lord began to strip me of things and ask me for things. Um, even those dreams. Even the dreams of that He put inside of me of, traveling the world and preaching the gospel. And and the only way I know how to describe my dream is I just want to lead everyone I can to Jesus, whether they're saved or not. Because a lot of people who are born again need Jesus. They need healing. They need truth. They need all kinds of stuff, right? And so the Lord began to ask me to lay that now. And... And it was hard. Um, I had people approaching me at this time, and they were like, hey man, we have this money. We believe what's on your life. We want to give it to you. We want to, you know, and their heart was completely, I believe, pure in it. They said, we want to give you this money. You can do whatever you want for the kingdom. Well, there we go, right there, right? That's, and the Lord says, no. And I talked to Roy, and Roy says, bro, I think you just need to go work. And I didn't like that either. I mean, <laughs> not that I didn't like work, but I just, 
everything was just, it changed. Everything changed. Everything changed. And I had my three best friends come to me over the span of a year. And each one of them, I mean, we were tight, buddy. Like, I mean, tight. And they all came to me and they said, hey, like, for whatever reasons, the Lord was speaking to them. They need to pull away, right? So I got no girlfriend. I I have no 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 uh, ministry. I got all my friends are getting married or you know whatever, and I'm I'm fighting it to be honest. Um, I fought it for a long time. And I didn't give in. And I, I kept relationships around for a bit too long that shouldn't have. And I just, it was just hard, man. And I kept hearing in my spirit, the first verse I want to read today is First Chronicles 12.32. And you don't have to turn there if you want to, because I'm just going to read one verse. There's going to be some more scripture that, I want to hit that you can turn to, but First Chronicles twelve thirty two is a verse, and it's it's when King David is talking about David and all his warriors that come around him. It says that from the tribe of Issachar there was two hundred leaders of the tribe with their relatives, and these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. And this verse just kept ringing in my spirit, and that's like a pretty you know, it's not like, you know, the Lord works out, you know, all things for those who love Him, right? Like, that's a pretty common verse. This is like, who are these dudes? And um, and so I, I just I just begin to ponder with the Lord. And um, this was about in January when I had fully just given up. And... I realized anywhere in the Bible, in the Old Covenant, when we see Israel and it talks about the promised land, it always will allude to the New Covenant and what the promised life in Christ is. Right? And there's all these prophetic pictures and that's why when you read the Bible, it's so important to have the Spirit with you. So you can understand how does this apply to me now when I'm in Christ. And what I realized was these guys had the understanding of the seasons and they had the understanding to discern where to go. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Dylan, you need to understand what I'm doing in this time and you need to understand where you need to meet me and what I need to be for you. That I couldn't be for you if all these things were in your life. And so, with anything that I've done with the Lord, if the Lord's trying to teach you something, I always ask Him to show me in the life of Jesus. Because if Jesus is our perfecter, right, of our faith, if He is our example in all things, then He, in every area of our life, there will be an example of it. You may have to search for it and ask the Holy Spirit to show you it, but you will see an area where Jesus does it better than anyone else in the Bible. And so he, looked, he took me to Luke twenty-two forty-two. And it's where Jesus is praying in the garden before He goes to His death. And it says, Father, if You are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from Me. Yet I want Your will to be done, not Mine. And then He took me to Hebrews 12.2 and it says, we do this, and it's, it's talking about you know resisting sin and stuff like that. In Hebrews 12.2 it says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now He is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And so the Lord showed me here, He said, Dylan, I had the ability to see beyond what was happening in the natural. I had the prophetic insight, if you will, to look and see and be in a forest, but look beyond the trees. And he had the ability because of the joy set before him, which in case you didn't know, it was you. 
he had the ability to do something that we read right there he honestly didn't want to do. Because he didn't want to be separated from God. That's the reason why he's sweating blood. It's because he loved God so much. He knew the Father so well that it would have killed him, and it did kill him, to be separated from him. And so the Lord took me on this journey even more, and uh, and I hope that I can get through it, but He told me to go read read the story of Gideon. And just a side note, that's why it's, it's so important to know His voice. If I couldn't hear God and have Him lead me into this stuff, I'd probably still be fighting it and in the, the mess. That's the prophetic. We were talking about, me and Zach were talking about this morning. The basis of the prophetic is to hear God's voice and apply it to your life. Yes, it's, it's words of knowledge. Yes, it's used to edify the church and encourage people. And yes, it's used to speak into the lost and to show them that God is for them and He's with them. But at the basis, the core base of what the prophetic is, it's just the ability to hear God speak something over your life and then you act upon it. So he took me to Judges where we read the story of Gideon, right? The first place I want to read, you can turn here, it's Judges 6, um, 11 through 12. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Ebiezer, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. There's two things I want to focus on on, in this part of Scripture. The first one is the idea of the winepress or the threshing floor. And that's something that we're going to um, it's going to be a theme throughout the rest of this talk, okay? <clears throat> and so we're all going to put our prophetic hats on, right? And we're going to we're going to read this because the Lord showed me that the the threshing floor is a place in the natural, but in what He showed me, it's an actual example of what what this season I would call it is the threshing floor season. And so Gideon's hiding in a place where you crush wheat or wine. In this place, he's crushing um, wheat in a wine press. Okay, And it's a place where something is broken. Something is crushed. Something is, is, um, is just broken down. Right? And the Lord comes to him and He says, Gideon, you mighty warrior... <laughs> And then the natural, you know, that's not happening too much. He's hiding, right? And um, and then we see this exchange between Gideon and the Lord. And it's, it's this back and forth thing. And Gideon's not believing him. He's throwing a fleece out. And he's like, you know, if the dew is on it in the morning and all this other thing. And so we're going to skip down just for the sake of time to, to the same story, but in Judges 7. Two seven. And remember that idea of the threshing floor. Remember the idea of the wine press throughout this entire thing, okay? And remember it as a place where something is crushed. It's broken down. So the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. <laughs> if I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people... Whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, (laughs) leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Again, Gideon was scared. He was hiding by himself. The Lord says, you're going to lead them into battle. And also, Gideon, I'm going to just strip you down of your troops. But it doesn't stop there. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, 
Divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands, and all the other got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, With these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So we read that story right, and I bet in our minds a lot of times we think Gideon's just like, yep, cool, got it, 300, we're good. I don't think that's what happened. Because you see where Gideon was. And even you can read on where Gideon, you know, the Lord has him crawl down to the camp and, and the camp has his dream and it takes even more, right, for him to believe that God's going to do what he said. But the Lord spoke to me and he said, Dylan, that was never about the troops. It was never about the battle. It was never about anything. I could have spoken wiped them all out. I didn't even need me. He said, but if I cared so much about Gideon's heart, I cared so much about all the Israelites' heart because they would have said it was their own strength. He said that. He cares so much about your heart, he'll do anything he has to do to get to you and to call out exactly what you need to be called out on and to call forth exactly who you are. And so I'm sure Gideon probably didn't like that word, right? I'm sure Gideon probably wanted to go home. And so that describes the season that I call the threshing floor season. You can call it whatever you want. But it's the season where God takes everything. And you have to have the discernment to understand what He's doing in that season so you don't fight it. Because when you fight it, you make it last longer. You can't speed it up, but the only thing you can do is you can make it last longer. And it's no fun when it lasts longer. Because here's the a, here's a truth. We're going to be real, right? We're a church. It's not fun. It's not easy. There were times where I would lay on my floor in my room and I'd feel so alone. And I would just scream in tongues at the top of my lungs because I didn't know what to pray and I didn't know what to say and I didn't know what to do. But I would just pray. And I'd say, God, You're good. You're good. In the midst of all this, when nothing seems right, You're good. And um, so I really believe, I, I searched in the Bible, and, and you can find where I, be, I really believe this, every great follower of Jesus goes through that time where they're tested. It may be shorter for others. It may not be as physical as mine. But every great follower of Jesus goes through that time. I think a lot of people can proclaim Jesus, but if you're following Jesus, there's going to be things like that happen in your life. Moses, right? Desert for 40 years. Paul. Peter. Right? Peter. Okay, take Peter. Peter, on this rock, Peter, or, or Simon, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Your name will be Peter. That's what Jesus says to Peter, right? And so I think Peter probably was feeling pretty good about himself. But Jesus knew his heart. And there's, there's a reason why Peter, when, when Jesus says, I'm going to go, Peter says, I'll never let you go. I'll never let you go. And what does Jesus say? He says, get behind me, Satan, because you're thinking like a man. You're not seeing beyond... What you're call, what what's in front of you? And um, what's interesting is he says, "I tell you, before the rooster crows three times, you'll deny me." And I think 
I think Peter, honestly, was probably, I can't say this for sure, but I think Peter was probably dealing with a little bit of pride. And I don't think it's a coincidence that a rooster is the animal that the Lord says before it crows three times. You'll deny me. Because a rooster is probably the most arrogant animal there is. Right? We say the word cocky, right? Because that's what they are. And um, I just, yeah, I thought so. So, <laughs> so uh, but I think every great man or woman, and you see what happens to Peter, right? You see what happens. He's broken. He's fishing on a boat. And when he looks up and he sees Jesus frying fish for him on the boat, he jumps out of the boat and swims, and he doesn't even care about the boat. Because there was something about Jesus saw inside of his heart about what had to happen for him to do what he was called to do. So, I was going to go into the story of Ruth. That's, that's another place where the threshing floor is mentioned. All right? And I'm actually not going to read it for the sake of time. But um, I'll give you just a quick synopsis, okay? Ruth um, is married to a man. A lot of you have probably read the story. But Ruth's married to a man. Her mother-in-law is Naomi. The man dies. Naomi's like, you need to go find you another man. Just go on. And she's like, no, I want to stay with you. So they go back to her hometown, okay? Well, there's this guy, Boaz, right? He's there, and um, and he's actually really nice to Ruth. He takes her. He lets her pick from um, his fields. And what's interesting is Ruth, you know, she's going through a really hard time. And, and in her heart, there's a desire that's placed there. And there's also a desire that's placed inside of Naomi's heart. And I wish I had the time to kind of read the Scripture, but... Um, we see that because Naomi says, you need to go lay at, at Boaz's feet. And she's very specific that you need to make sure it's Boaz. And so we see that there's a desire in Naomi's heart and in Ruth's heart to be with Boaz. And we also see that there are other options. Because Boaz says, there's another man. There's another man who's actually a closer relative to you and he's a family redeemer. And he'll be able to redeem you. But if not, I'll take you in, Right? And so I saw this and I said there was a desire, there was something that was placed inside of Ruth's heart to be with Boaz. But where does she meet? Where does it, the, the change happen? It's in the threshing floor. So again, there's this picture that on the other side of this place where things are crushed, where things are broken, where things are, are everything's removed and something's squeezed, the fulfillment of your promises. There's a promise in Gideon. There's a desire in Ruth. The fulfillment of those things are on the other side of your hardest season. I wrote here, here we see that both Gideon's life and Ruth on the other side of their hardest seasons was the promises and desires of their lives being fulfilled. With Gideon, it was him stepping into the prophetic declaration of what the Lord had spoken about, his destiny and conquering the fear in his heart. And with Ruth, it was the desire of her heart of being with Boaz, being fulfilled. Psalm 105.19 says that until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Joseph, we know, is a man who has a lot of um, dreams, right? <laughs> Obviously. He gets thrown to a prison for it. But it says that his character was tested. And I believe that in itself is, for, for today's sermon, the threshing floor season. And the last place that I want to, to, to hit on this idea of the threshing floor, oh, I need to hit this spot. And we see it even in the life of Jesus. 
I'm telling you, you can read the entire Bible and there is not one man or woman of God that was used by God in a significant way where this didn't happen. And maybe sometimes for a lot it happens more than once. I think it will. But the good news is if it happens once and you take a little bit longer to submit and give in to it, the next time you're not going to. That's the good news. And we see this in Jesus' life. Why? Because Jesus goes to His cousin, right? He goes to His cousin. He's baptized. And what's the word of the Lord that's spoken over Him? This is My beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Right? And immediately we see that the Lord, it says that He was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted. Alright? And so... It's in this season of when, when God is crushing where the enemy will also meet you there. In 1 Samuel 23.1, it's just one verse, and it says, One day news came to David that the Philistines were at Calah stealing grain from the threshing floor. It's in the place where something is broken and crushed where the enemy wants to come and steal. It's in your weakest moment. And he does it with Jesus. And he comes, he says, dude, if you're hungry, turn those rocks into bread. If you're God, throw yourself off that cliff. Angels will come catch you. But what did Jesus do? Jesus went in as a son and he came out as a son. And he came out in the greatest anointing the world's ever seen. And he came out and he fulfilled the greatest declaration the Lord had ever made. That this is my beloved son, and the one son died so that many sons could be made. And so, when you're in this season, don't get robbed. Don't turn to sin. Because that's the time when you'll want to the most. That's the time when the enemy will come and the thoughts will come inside of your head. But that's the time when you put on the armor of God. Right? And you put on the boots of righteousness, all of it. And you're ready to preach the gospel. One thing about those boots is, in the the Roman soldiers, they had spikes at the bottom of their boots. And in that letter where Paul's writing about the armor, he's writing to the Romans. And those boots, they don't let you move. The spikes are so you can't move. You don't get shaken. You don't get pushed back. The enemy doesn't have a grip in your life. Because here's the deal. If you try to, I'm not trying to puff up the enemy, but if you try to beat him on your own, you'll get chewed up. and spit out. It's just real. But in God, he's nothing. If you submit to God and resist the devil, he will flee from you. A lot of people forget the first part. I don't know why. You've got to submit to God. It's not you just walking around, man, He ain't got nothing on me. You have a fun time with that. So, the last thing that I, I want to highlight, and, and, and one thing that the Lord, the Lord spoke to me during this time of really exploring this and embracing this season was he said Dylan if I would have given you those two dreams if I would have given you what I called you to to share my gospel and and do all these things and if I would have given you a wife and kids and all this stuff he said it would have killed you it would have killed you and I really believe I would have just been another burnout minister I wouldn't have been like the bush that Roy talked about today that didn't burn up. You know why there's burnout ministers? Because they don't realize that you can burn without burning up. You're not supposed to burn with just fire. You're supposed to burn with presence. Right? And if you stay in the presence, you won't get burned out. It's just the truth. So the last place that I want to hit real quick is in 1 Chronicles 21. 18 through 26. This is a the last story where this is the last place where the threshing floor is mentioned in the Bible. And it's with King David. 
And it says, Then the angel of the Lord told Gad to instruct David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna and, and uh, the Jebusite. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him through God. Aruna, who was, bu- who was busy threshing wheat at the time, turned and saw the angel there. His four sons who were with him ran away and hid. When Aruna saw David approaching, he left his threshing floor and bowed down before David with his face to the ground. David said to Aruna, Lord, or he didn't say Lord. He said, let, let me buy this threshing floor from you at its full price. Then I will build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my Lord, the king, and use it as you wish, Aruna said to David. I will give the oxen for burnt offerings and the threshing boards for wood and build a fire on the altar and the wheat and the grain offering. I will give it all to you. But King David replied to Aruna, No, I insist on buying it for the full price. I will not take what is yours and give it to the Lord. I will not present burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. So David gave Aruna 600 pieces of gold in payment for the threshing floor. David built an altar there in the Lord, uh, to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And when David prayed, the Lord answered him by sending fire from heaven to burn up the offering on the altar. This story with David is a prophetic picture in which the place in which wheat is crushed is the exact place the Lord told David to build an altar. It becomes the place where your life becomes a sacrifice to God. It becomes the place where all of you is crushed down so that you can be filled with the fire, anointing, and presence of God and be made into a place of worship. You can be made into a place of surrender where God has all of you. And it costs you something. And the Lord told me at the beginning of the year, you've gone as far as you can go inside of my heart without a cost. What was interesting was this was the last place, the last place where I read about the threshing floor. It's in the place where God removes every crutch you have. Everything you can lean on. Everything you can turn to. And it's a place where your life can be used. Because He's worth it. He saved my life. He saved yours if you're in Him. And He's worth you giving up something. And the promise is is He's not going to leave you there. The promise is He doesn't ask you for anything that He won't give back. That's greater. It may not look like how you thought it would look. But it will be greater. It's okay to say it's hard. It's okay to, to, to just to lay on your floor and pray and not know what else to do. Because everything in your life, you just see a bunch of trees. You don't see a way out. But if you seek God and you say, God, what can you be for me right now? That you couldn't be for me when I had all those things. He will answer you. And He'll show you. He'll say, this is what I'm doing in your life. And I've had to confront so many things and giants and insecurities and hurts and everything. Because the Lord said my heart was more important than the battle. He said, what I want to do in you is more important than what I want to do through you. But if you let me do this in you, I promise I will use you. 
Because that's all I wanted. I just want to be used by God. I just want to give Him back what He's worth. That's the honest, honest to God prayer in my heart. And I don't care if I don't care if anybody knows who I am. I just want Jesus to get what He deserves because He's He's just burned it inside of me. But Jesus says in Luke 14 that there's a cost of falling. If you would have given me this microphone two years ago, this sermon would have been way different. I would have stood up here and probably told you a bunch of cool stories. and There's nothing wrong with that. I like stories. And I'm about doing stuff. I'm about doing work for God. You know, we're saved by grace through faith, but we're saved for good works. But the Lord's had me in a place where I didn't do anything. And He just wanted to be with me. We wanted to say, Dylan, you've leaned on all these things for far too long. And I need to be everything for you. And I know it hurts. It doesn't feel good to be crushed. But I promise you, for wine to, for grapes to be made into wine, they have to be broken down. For wheat to be made into bread, something that can be used. It has to be crushed and broken. And I wouldn't trade. I wouldn't trade it for a million years. And, and the good news is, you know, the Lord spoke to me two weeks ago. He said, when I speak, it'll be the end of a chapter. And I don't know what that means. But I know that in God it's going to be great and good. And He has amazing things in store for every one of us. And you know the truth of the matter is, it's the words and the promises that were put inside of me that I didn't even really ask for. People would prophesy over all the time about me speaking and preaching. Even at that Methodist church where they didn't, they didn't really believe in prophecy, they'd be like, you're going to preach one day. And I, I told them no. He put those inside my heart. And you know what? He had to have me lay it down. And the truth is, is that He's going to give it back. And the truth is, is that I had to lay down all these relationships, but there's a woman out there who's going to be my wife, and we're going to chase Jesus together. And I'm going to have all my friends, and we're going to chase Jesus together. But I just encourage you that embrace the sea. Don't fight it. There are storms in life that aren't God. That's why you need the discernment. Because if, if, if that's not true, then if it's all God's will, then why would Jesus stand up and cast the storm down? If He only does what the Father says to do, then why when He's in the boat... Will you stand up and tell the, con- the storm to be quiet? Why? Because there's something demonic in the storm. The storm wasn't from God. But sometimes, you're led by the Spirit into a place where the Lord wants to just do a little bit of surgery on your arm. And the scar that you'll have will be beautiful. Because it will be one of love and kindness and goodness and mercy and faithfulness. Because He's the greatest person I've ever met in my life. He is the kindest. He's never, never hurt me. And He'll never hurt you.
So I just want to pray and, and then we'll close up. But Lord, I thank You. You're way bigger than what we think. You're way greater than what we think. You're way more beautiful than what we think. And I don't want to die on this earth and not see every bit of you that I can see here. I don't want to die and have there be any anything I could have given you on this earth. And I thank You that You take us through times that we don't understand. And I thank You for the season that's hard. Because on the other side of it is great fruit. I love You, Jesus. And I thank You for every person in this room. I do want to ask... I think I might do this. I don't know if every time, but maybe not. It's kind of weird to ask this question after the sermon I just preached. But is there anyone who doesn't know the Lord in this room? Maybe you've said you've known Him for a long time, but you, you don't know Him. You aren't intimate with Him. Is there anyone who would just raise their hand and say that? Good. It means we're all following the King. I thank you for everyone in this room, God. And um, the prayer servants will be up here to pray with you. Thank you for listening. I love you, God.